0: Welcome to the PC Youth Pod. We have a special guest with us who is no stranger to our ministry. Pastor Brian from Manor House was with us this past Friday. He was here a few months ago and shared on Truth in the Tension, so go back and check out that episode. But this week, we are talking about Around Midnight. So get ready for an amazing word. And like I said, today's gonna. I, I really felt like tonight needed to be a family moment. And when I say family moment, is I'm I'm gonna preach like you're part of our manor house family because we are. We're a part of of your family, and you're a part of our family. And um, I um, I'm gonna jump right into it because God is doing something in the church, the big C church, meaning the church across the world. That God is. God is choosing now, for whatever reason, to be a time where there's a lot of division, where there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of arguments, there's a lot of opinions. And he's choosing right now for the church to be the place that people are looking to for answers. Whether you realize it or not, society might you might be feeling like society is judging the church. All they're really doing is looking to see if we have the answer that they're looking for. So we take it as political unrest and frustration and persecution at the church. And in my opinion, in my perspective, all they're really doing is trying to see if the church truly has the answer that they're looking for. So I take it as an opportunity. I take it as an opportunity to say, you know what, if you're able to just come around to our community, not just a building on a Sunday, but the community that I'm a part of, you're going to see the difference in the world. What I love is the fact that this is not the first time this has happened in history. That's the why, that's why the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword is because honestly anything we could ever face in history we could find in scripture. Like this is not an outdated book. This is actually a roadmap to success as a believer. And not just as a believer, but as society. If, 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 if you begin to study, um, the historical findings of successful nations to this day, a common denominator is if they were built on Christian values, Christian principles, society, economies You can go down the list of things. If they were built on the word of God, if there was that kind of foundation, um, then then they would be successful. Now, there's a lot that goes into that. But one of the things that I look at is when the earliest church, the first symbol of the church that we have in the Bible is found in Acts. And the book of Acts is where a lot of churches are able to look and say like, hey, there's some good ideas about how to do church. There's some good ideas on how to build community. So let's model what we're building after that. The book of Acts is the book. If you look at church planning, church models, where you begin to see the foundation and formation of the community that we call the church. And one of the guys that was responsible for the not just the formation of that, but the success of that all throughout the rest of the New Testament that we see in scripture is a guy named Paul. And Paul was the dude. He was the man. Like when you look at Paul's life, how much he traveled, I bet you Paul was yoked because he walked like 128 miles a day. Like Paul was always moving. And Paul, Paul was, was not just moving trying to do stuff. Paul was moving with purpose. And this is where we have to be careful this is where we're going to dial in as a family. We have plenty of people moving around making noise, but not a lot of people moving with purpose we have plenty of conversations plenty of people posting on their social medias about what they think is right or wrong but it is void of purpose purpose is interesting because if i mean i i i know you're like you've like you would be like Brian this was like in the in the early 90s you weren't in high school you're not in high school in today's era okay i graduated high school in 2010 and um some of you are like i was born then i'm just joking um uh, but i I remember when I was in high school and someone talked to me about purpose, especially in the church, someone talked to me about purpose. I would always roll my eyes. I would be like, here it comes again. Another purpose message. And, um, as I got older, I began to realize that purpose wasn't just a motivation, um, for me to get an answer to someone's question. Purpose was actually fueled by my desires. Like desires is what actually fueled my purpose. And um, you know what's interesting is that's actually backwards of how Jesus wants it to work. Purpose should fuel our desires. And if your purpose is found in emotion, or your purpose is found in some kind of um, circumstance, then it's always going to shift. But if your purpose is found in the person who created you, and the one that gave you formation, and the one that has a plan for your life, your purpose can actually turn into some pretty amazing desires, and that's what we saw in the life of Paul. He was he was Saul before, and he was persecuting the church because he had all these desires, but it was void of his original purpose that God had for him. And then Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and said, hey, I'm going to flip those around, I'm going give you purpose and then your desires are going to follow. And that's where we get the formation of the church. The church was formed by God's original purpose, his bride, and the desires of community, the desires of equality, the desires of, of reconciliation then became a re- as a result of purpose. What the world is looking for today is purpose. And so I um, I, I wanted to, to jump into where where do we see, and you know, Pastor Aaron was talking about midnight, and, and this whole theme of midnight, and, and there's an amazing passage of scripture that, that um, has this word midnight in it, and, and I began to really study this passage of scripture, and I, I want us to to focus in on what this night is going to be about. Um, mid- midnight is, is interesting because nothing good happens at midnight. I'm going to be real honest with you, like, my bedtime is a solid 9.30. Like, 10 o'clock rolls around, I start reaching those double digits, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's time to go to bed. And the summer's the worst, because it's still like a kind of bright out, so I feel horrible going to bed with like a little bit of light, but at the same time, it's like, no, I get up at 5 o'clock, I am content with 9.30, like 9.30 is the latest 10 o'clock hits, people know, like, they can't text us past 9.30, like, they're not going to answer, they're in bed, and it's like, hey, I'm the cool youth pastor, right, <laughs> I'm in bed at a solid 9.30. Nothing good happens at midnight. And um, I, I I realize we have this phrase Midnight, and a lot of us could probably understand What midnight means, it's one of the darkest times Of the night, like it's, it's the total Point of darkness after sunset And before dawn begins to show Itself, there is a darkness that is attached To midnight But well, what's interesting is you might have people in the room that are You're, in, you're facing a midnight right now you're, you're facing a midnight moment You're facing this moment where you're beginning to realize Like man, my home life is not okay I don't feel like I have good friendships I'm I'm actually surprised I even made it to this place tonight, because the last thing I want to do is to have someone tell me how I should live my life, because my life is such a mess. I'm just trying to figure out how to get through today, let alone, hey, hey, why don't you guy in in the Dame Lillard shirt and shoes just get off stage, let me go beat somebody up on the sumo wrestling mat, and then eat some dessert and head home. Like, I don't want to have that conversation. You might be in the room tonight. There also might be people in the room that's like, I've never faced a midnight, like man, my life's actually been pretty good. Like I, I go to an amazing church, which you do, and uh, I have a great family, which you probably do, and and I've been in church my whole life. I've never really faced anything difficult in my life. Like I haven't really faced any trials, as someone talks about, and I, I love the presence of God and I engage with it easily. And so, O'Brien, this message isn't gonna isn't gonna isn't gonna connect with me because I don't feel like I've had a midnight or ever will have a midnight. And you might be somewhere in the middle. The person that said that you might have, you might not have a midnight, I want to challenge you because our nation is in a midnight. And just because you're not going through it personally, the community of God needs you to get serious about the midnight. And see, this is the the issue, especially if you grew up in church, is it's really easy to make midnight somebody else's problem. You don't only make it somebody else's problem, you judge them for going through it. So then you live your life in this cycle of like, never faced a midnight. My life's pretty good. And yet the person that's sitting next to you is on their knees, crying out for just a moment of the presence of God. And you're like, man, I wonder what they're going through. And this, maybe, this is stuff, maybe this is stuff you've never gone through. But as a church kid, I've gone through it. Like, I, I would sit in services, and I can easily connect with the presence of God. And, and, and I, worship was an easy place for me. But like Pastor Aaron, for me, I was great at playing church. I wasn't necessarily connected to the God who started it. So that's, that's, that's where we're gonna go tonight. We're, we're gonna talk about what to do. Tyler, my message if you're taking down notes is this. What to do at midnight? What to do at midnight? I'm gonna, I'm gonna build in some, some context for this. And um, in chapter 16 of Acts, um, we have the, the apostle Paul and a man named Silas beginning to do their second tour of ministry and they're, they're on the move. They're on the move. They're they're beginning to to start planning churches. They're beginning to start engaging in in communities that that the word of God, the living word of God, had never gone to before. And they're beginning to preach the gospel, and they're seeing people get saved. Um, I didn't add this to my slide. So everyone up there, I'm so sorry. But I felt like I needed to add this in. Tonight, Um, I'm going to start in Acts 16, verse 11. I'm going to start this in Acts 16, verse 11. You don't have this verse, and that's on me. I'm so sorry about that. But Acts 16, verse 11, it it talks about this woman named Lydia. And um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it it, it says this. On the Sabbath day, this is Paul talking. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed to be. There was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. I'm sorry, it wasn't Paul. This is Luke. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia uh, from a town seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by paul and after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, "If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay and she prevailed upon us um, I, I just I felt this so strongly, and this is this is a freebie, okay? This is just not necessarily something I was planning on sharing. But if you're a, 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 a girl in the room, can you just shoot your hand up really quick? If you're a girl in the room, just shoot your hand up really quick. Um, I love that because that is that is like most youth ministries, the majority of the room. <laughs> but um, that that is that is powerful. And I, I want to tell you something. If you're a girl in this room, I, I just felt like this in my in my in my heart. You are called to more. Society has tried time and time and time again to make you feel objectified and not valued as a second class. It's tried time and time again to put you in a position or a place where you feel lesser than and unable to. I want to tell you something. The reason why the gospel was able to reach an entire portion of a nation was because of a woman named Lydia. And I'm going to be honest. She was, she was good at what she did. When the Bible talks about she was a seller of purple, she she had created this, this business empire where she was actually the primary seller of this purple that was so such a necessity amongst the higher echelon of that society that anyone who wanted this had to come through her. We're talking about royalty. We're talking about the top of the top of the Roman legions would have to come to this woman. And guess what they did when they encountered Lydia? They also encountered Jesus. I want to tell you, there's girls in the room, I want you to hear this. The, the, the world, I believe the next great awakening in our nation is when women begin to understand the full authority they carry as women of God. Like the reason why there's more girls than guys in this room is because there is something about the message of Jesus that stands out to you more than the message of society and what world would try to define for you. I believe there's future preachers in this room. I believe there's future, future prophets in this room. I believe there's missionaries and doctors and business people and, and, and world changers in this room. And I just I want you to catch this. The only thing stopping you from getting to where Lydia was was the world getting to define your value. Please stop it. If you've had questions about value, if if you've had questions about authority that you can carry, some of the most anointed people on our youth team are women. And it's because they understand the value that they have. And our youth ministry is better and it's anointed and it's gifted and it's called because there are women that are preaching, that are leading worship, that are doing things for the kingdom of God in our church. And I want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you as well. So we have Paul, we have Paul and Silas encounter this, the highest ranking like business official in this portion of the region. And then we have the next one. So this is where we pick up Acts 16 verse 16. One day, we were going to a place of prayer, and we were met by a young servant woman who had an evil spirit that enabled her to predict the future. She earned a lot of money for her owners by telling fortune. She followed Paul and us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They announce to you how you can be saved. She did this for many days until Paul became so upset. This is why I love Paul. He's just real, right? He's like, man, you're making me mad. Turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, order you to come out of her. And the spirit went out of her that very moment. And when her owners realized their chance of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the authorities of the public square. Can I, can I show you something really quick? This is still for the ladies. Guys, we'll get to you in a minute. The spirit went out of her that very moment when her owners realized their chance of making money was gone. Lydia was a worshiper of God. And she had authority and purpose and value because of it. The slave girl was, was, was filled with an evil spirit because society was taking advantage of her. Those are your options. Be a worshiper of God and walk in that authority. Or let the world define what your value is. Please, we have to understand that your value is found in Jesus, and our world needs it. Um, when Owen realized that the chance of making was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the authorities in the public square. And they brought them before the Roman officials and said, these men are Jews and they're causing trouble in our city. They're teaching customs that are against our law. We are Roman citizens and we cannot accept these customs or practices. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Then the officials tore the clothes off Paul and Silas and ordered them to be whipped. After a severe beating, they were thrown into jail. The jailer was ordered to lock them up tight. Upon receiving this order, the jailer threw them into the inner cell and fastened their feet between heavy blocks of wood. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, kind of like what we just did. And other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake which shook the prison to its foundation. At once, all the doors were open and the chains fell off the prisoners. The jailer woke up when he saw the prison doors open. He thought that the prisoners had escaped. He pulled out his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted at the top of his voice, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for a light, rushed in and trembled at the feet of Paul and Silas. Then he led them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your family. They preached the word of the Lord to him and to the others in the house. And at that very hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. He and his family were baptized at once. They took Paul and Silas up to his house, gave them some food to eat, probably the tacos that were at that food truck. He and his family were filled with joy because they now believed in God. It's a long story. It's a beautiful story. But I want to have a family moment and dissect this thought purpose. See, purpose, um, if we just let that word fall away, actually carries very little meaning in today's society, carries very little meaning in in today's culture. The whole reason why we saw not one, not two, not three, but many people saved was because Paul and Silas understood their purpose, regardless of circumstance. See, I... I, I, I'm going to give my first point to you right now, and it's this, the work. The work. You see, we have, we have Lydia, we have this slave girl, and we have this jailer. And Paul and Silas's approach might have been different, but their purpose was the same. Their, their, their approach to these individuals might have looked different, but their purpose was the same. Their purpose was to see them come into relationship with Jesus Christ. That, that was their purpose. And what we have here is a beautiful example. If you study the Bible at all, Lydia, the top of social economic status. We have the slave girl who would be the bottom of the social economic status. And then we have the jailer which would be the middle class in society in that day. And, and what I love is that Paul and Silas's motive was the same throughout every single interaction. See, we have diff- three different levels of society. We have, we have it, there's males and there's females, so we have different genders involved. We have even different beliefs. We have a Lydia, so there's a worshiper of God. We have a slave girl who was possessed by an evil spirit. And we have a jailer who was just doing what he was told to do. We have different settings. We have um, if if Paul and Silas were to meet with Lydia and go to her home, it'd be in a mansion. It'd be in one of the largest estates in the region. The, the slave girl was actually done on a road, and if you're familiar with any type of architecture back in that day, the road that she would have been on would have been like the slums, the worst of the worst, the darkest part of the city. And then the jailer would just be walking around, just as a part of of the the, the commonplace in the area. So we have different. Different levels of society, we have different genders, we have different beliefs, we have different settings, but we have the same motive. See, when you have a pure purpose, you also have a pure motive. And the reason why society is always frustrated with the church is because our motive has been to see people saved, and that's great, but our purpose hasn't changed in over 2,000 years since the establishment of the church, and that's why it frustrates the world so much. Why aren't you changing? Because my, my purpose doesn't change just because the world does. Just because like, I pressed pause, Pastor Aaron. I pressed pause for a minute because I was getting a little bit too excited. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back in the lane here. See, I, 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 I want us to understand that, that purpose and motive go hand in hand. So if you're here tonight, let, let me talk to some, guys, I'm gonna talk to you now. This is 90% of guys in youth ministry. And then you got the, it's really important to watch how I do this. You got the, I call it the arm tuck, right? You know? And then you got, and then you got the every once in a while, you know, especially if they're standing by their friends. I'm just reading some guys' mails right now. Some guys like, that's you. No, it's you, okay? (laughs) Then you got the guys that are like, You go from open season to close season really quick because you're afraid of someone might smell like and then my favorite are the talkers, man. The talkers are just my and then someone looks at you and you're like Some guy's like, Stop making fun of me. If conviction hurts, it's real. So um, we have we have I was one of them, so I can make fun of them, okay? So it's great. We have we have all these desi- like. What's your desire in being in the midst of God's presence if you're not going to engage with it? Like this church is known for God moving. This church is known for great biblical teaching. This church is known for for heritage and history in the kingdom of God. And yet we have people that just come in and just, come and move however you want to get me out of here, it'd be great. Like, and I just, what's your motive? I think often at times, it's because a lot of guys in this season of, of, of life don't necessarily fully understand their purpose. And that's, that's sad to me. Because you would rather stare at your phone during a time when God's trying to meet with you than discover your purpose. It breaks my heart, man. And it's not just you. Like, it's not just the Salem thing. Like, we're having it in Portland too. And I wonder if it's directly connected to why our nation is having such a hard time leading. Man, girls, girls are ready. Women of God are ready. Some guy's like, why can't I get a girlfriend? It's cause you suck at encountering Jesus. That's why you can't get a girlfriend. Why would some girl, sorry, pastor, I stopped myself again. You see that? I stopped. Man, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. See, Paul and Silas didn't have that problem. Paul and Silas didn't have that problem. And honestly, it's not because, it's not because, it is not because they had met with Jesus or, they're like, well, they were apostles. You understand you can be too. Like, you, you can walk in the apostleship of, of, of the New Testament. It just takes a, it just, it just might look a little bit different than it did back then. So I think I think what Jesus is asking all of us in this room tonight is can he trust our motive? Can he trust your motive? Like when you come to church, can can God trust your motive? Like so many people show up to church and like, man, if, if God moves, like he doesn't move, where two or three are gathered in his presence, like we show up and like, if God shows up tonight, I might raise my hands for one song. Be blessed. <laughs> it's like, if God moves... God's been moving for 2,000 years and his church has been the one missing it. Like, what's your motive? What's your motive when you come to a place like this? If you're, if you don't know Jesus yet, hey, guess what? You kind of get a free pass. But if you know Jesus and you show up to this space and your motive isn't to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you should probably begin to ask yourself the question, why? Why, why don't, why don't I engage in worship? Like, we just don't ask those questions. We just assume it's okay. Like, okay, I'm going to go, again, this is a family moment. Like, we get into these moments and people are like, "Be like, no one, I don't want anyone to force me to worship. The Bible says if, if humanity won't worship, the rocks will cry out for his glory. So you're going to leave it up to rocks to do what you were created to do. Like, you were created in the image of God, and, and yet we, pers- we, we have the audacity to pretend like God has to convince us to worship him. If God shows, man, if I hear one, Pastor Aaron Spence, if I hear one more person tell me if God shows up, if God, all right. What's your motive? What's your motive? How, see, I'll say it this way. Often how you encounter people will give you a great example of how you encounter God. How you interact with people is going to be a great example of how you encounter God. Um, because his his people are image bearers of God. So if I encounter people, like, um, I'm, again, I'm not trying to dog on guys. Like, I am a guy, okay? So, like, if I'm making fun, it's also because I was there and I probably went through it myself. So, like, when when guys encounter other guys and, like, it's like their first time meeting, it's like the ultimate guy handshake. It's like your chance to see where you fall in the totem pole of manhood where it's just like... I'm going to be honest, Salem people are built different too, okay? So if you shake my hand, you're going to win, all right? I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Like, Mr. 40 Push-Ups over here, like, he's going to beat me up in the sumo wrestling ring. Like, I just, I've accepted that fact, but I'm going to go out trying, okay? Or I might tag in Stewart. We might see what happens here. But um, you, you, it's like this, it's like, so like, how you encounter people is often so, like, if you encounter people and your instant reaction is to size them up, maybe it's the reason why you can't encounter God because you're trying to size him up as you come into church. And God, what do you got for me tonight? Can you fix my problem? God's in heaven like, man, your motive is all out of whack. See, when it comes to purpose and finding our purpose, motive is so important. And it, it takes work. It takes work. Um, I, I love the fact that, that it was so easy to enter God's presence tonight for those of us that have worked towards being able to encounter his presence tonight. Like like, I look at Paul and Silas and I see the work that they did in order to get that breakthrough moment in the jail cell. They were not only ridiculed by setting someone free from bondage and slavery. They were ejected by society standards because they had the audacity to take someone from slavery to freedom. Because of what it might benefit the person individually financially. Which free note is why you should tithe and give generously to your church. To prove to yourself and the rest of the world that you're not living by society's standards of generosity, I got to. I'm doing good tonight. I keep pausing and just staying online for those that are watching. You know, like I. What is your What is your motive? See, encountering God takes pure motive. Encountering your purpose starts with you understanding your motive must be pure. And that's why we have so many people with diluted purpose is because the world encountered you with diluted motive. Like they're, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Nothing in society today is, is going to do anything to benefit you. By society standards. Nothing. Zero. <laughs> Zilch. Like, it's not going to happen. But if you have the opportunity to check your motive, you might just encounter God like Paul and Silas did. The fastest way to fix our motive is by fixing our posture. The fastest way to fix our motive, you're like, okay, Brian, you've made fun of my motive, so tell me how to fix it. I will. Thank you for asking. You've got to fix your posture. My next title is The Posture. Um, after all this, all this good work, Paul and Silas's motive remains the same. And their posture does too. I find, this, I find this so interesting. We see the earlier passages when they encounter Lydia. They're just trying to get people saved when they encounter this demon-possessed girl. They're just trying to get her saved. And when they get into the jail cell, guess what they're trying to do? They're just trying to get people saved. Their Their posture and their motive never change. But we have to check our posture. Like... I want, to read, I want to read this passage again. In verse 24, in verse 24, it says this: Upon receiving this order, the jailer threw them into the inner cell and fastened their feet between heavy blocks of wood. And then, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Can I, can I tell you something? Your posture in this season of life greatly determines who's listening to you. Like, man, why can't I influence my friends? It's because your posture is all wrong. It's because your motive is wrong. And, and here, this, again, this is a family night. This is a family night because we're, we're going to go back and we're going to encounter Jesus again. It's going to happen. And for those of you that didn't have an encounter with Jesus, I'm going to believe that you are. But in order to get to that encounter, we have to be honest with where we are. And if our motive is wrong and we're trying to discover our purpose and our posture is wrong, we're trying to discover our purpose, might it be that there's something in us that we have to surrender in order to get the encounter we're looking for? Because we look at the life of, of Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas came the same kept the same posture as before. All that changed was their circumstance. Like I, I love I love one of my one of my close friends is moving um, to Hawaii. I know, really rough. Um, but one of my close friends is, is moving to Hawaii. And um, he has lived in, he, he works for the Coast Guard. And he's lived in South Carolina. He lived in Michigan. Um, he lived in um, Missouri. And then he, he moved to Portland, okay? And, and was in the Coast Guard in Portland. And and when I talked to, to Brennan Kelly... Brennan Kelly is one of the guys who I know and I have in my life to help make sure my posture right is because no matter what circumstance Brennan has found himself in, he continually makes sure his posture is correct because the circumstance might change, but that doesn't mean my posture should. And when you hear the word posture, you're like, like posture, like, like when I, when I stand or when I sit, like how many here? Okay, this is gonna be, I'm, I am going off now. Okay. How many here are hunters? Okay. Like when you sit down, you're like. Like you sit in your chair at school and you're like just bent over. Anybody hunch? Anybody got the hunch? So all of you have perfect posture. That's incredible. Wow, Salem's built different. That's amazing. Um, how many people when you stand, like you you don't, you don't never find yourself really standing like back straight, arms, shoulders back. Have you guys seen that TikTok where it's like, I mean I'm not on TikTok, but uh, have you guys seen that TikTok where it's like telling you how to stand and fix your posture and the guy's like standing like this and then the, the voiceover is like, stand up straight. Stick out your neck. Roll your shoulders back. Now you have good posture. And he's like... I think I legit hurt my neck just now, actually. It's all that bad posture. Um, I think, as silly as it might sound, we have a lot of Christians walking around in today's society like... Do you see how good my posture is? And the world's like, you look Ridiculous. It's, you're not helping anything, right? Like It's because so oftentimes we allow our circumstances to change our posture. And in both ways. Sometimes we get into really difficult circumstances and all of a sudden our posture is one of surrender, which is healthy. And that's right. Jesus always will welcome those that have the right posture. But what, what if our posture wasn't just when we were going through midnight? What if our posture was right at all times? Like what if it didn't take a midnight for you to get the right posture? We talk about posture and you're like, man, what, what are you, what are you referencing? What I'm referencing is, as Pastor Aaron so amazingly demonstrated that during worship, when God moves, it's simply finding yourself on your knees, getting ready just to worship your creator. I'm not saying that's what it looks like for everybody, but that what it might look like for some. Posture is realizing who God is and realizing who I'm not. Posture is the ultimate form of humility. See, Paul and Silas, although that they were chained in prison and locked up, their posture of their heart was more important than the posture of their hands. Because people talk to me like, Brian, it's easy to have good posture when everything's, when everything's going right. And then other people talk to me like, it's easy to have, have a posture before the Lord when everything's going wrong. But what if our posture isn't dependent upon our circumstance? What if our posture is dependent upon our purpose? If my purpose here on this earth is to encounter God's presence so I might be filled with the Holy Spirit and go do the work of Christ here on this earth, then it's not dependent upon my circumstance. It's dependent upon my purpose. Purpose. That word, man, it just keeps on messing with people. Um, I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to go, we're going to take a moment. We're, we're, gonna, we're going to pursue an encounter. The whole goal of tonight at midnight is what do you do at midnight? What do you do at midnight? What do you do not just when everything 's going wrong, but what do you do when the world is going wrong? Not, to, not what do you do when when things are bad, but what do you do when when things are good like i 'm just asking the question, what are you going to do tonight to encounter jesus like I look at I look at this story, and even as hard. Paul and Silas set this girl free, and then the fix to her finding freedom is throwing Paul and Silas in prison. Maybe some of you tonight feel like you're imprisoned spiritually. You're like Brian, I'm, I'm, I am. I'm raising my hands. I'm doing everything I know to do to encounter Jesus, but I just can't. I just haven't. I'm even talking to leaders about it. And I have people praying for me, and I and I continue to try to find Jesus. But I just can't. Maybe you're here and like Paul and Silas, maybe your breakthrough isn't dependent on what God can do for you. But maybe your breakthrough is what God's going to do through you. Oh, it's like that whole thought of purpose came up again. Because your purpose isn't solely attached to how you feel. Your purpose stands true regardless of your feelings. Because look what happened with Paul and Silas. I love this part of scripture. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. The other prisoners were listening to them. Um, When I was, and I've shared this with any of you that have been around me, like when I was a senior in high school, I made some pretty massive mistakes that greatly altered my life. Um, Not just in relationships, but in lying, deceit. Um, I would lie to get whatever I could because I was so afraid of what would happen if I couldn't get what I wanted. Pride was a huge part of my life. And um, after a series of events that led me to the point where I had to... I was leading worship at youth. I was super involved in youth ministry, a situation that led me to the point where I, I couldn't lead in any capacity. And I just had to, I was there at, at 6.15 on Sunday mornings to help set up for, for worship. And I got to stand in the back after many seasons of, of singing and leading people into the presence of God. I had to just be removed. And then I start Bible college and I get asked to be a leader in Bible college. And I was really blessed by that. And then I get told by the the Dean of students, Hey, you're actually a pretty horrible leader because you have this huge thing in your life called pride. What I want you to do is I want you to take out the garbage every day from your dorm. I want you to clean up the kitchen which in a guy's dorm is like hell itself. Um, and I want you to do all, I want you to do these things. And on top of that, I know you're a broke college student, but every week I want you to buy one $10 gift card to Starbucks and put it in an upperclassman's mailbox. I'm like, why, why, why all these things? Can't I just go be in God's presence and have him change me and then I'll be okay? And a man who I, Rich Miller, I look up to him tremendously. He looks me in the eye and goes, nope, because you need to check your motive. I was like, man, I... I had, to, I had to say, I don't I didn't even know what my motive was. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, you talk about motives, you talk about purpose, you talk about work, like I don't even know. It's amazing as our father in heaven is so faithful to reveal the things in our lives that we don't even know are holding us back from meeting with him. But it takes transparency. It takes understanding your purpose is bigger than yourself. Do you Do you realize by you just being in the room tonight that there are, there are gonna be people that listen to you and how you respond tonight. Maybe not in this, in this room, but tomorrow. How you respond tonight, they're gonna to be listening to what your life looks like tomorrow. Paul and Silas were singing hymns to God, and people were listening. Man, there has never been a time in our world where people are trying to listen to the church more than right now. You look at the great revivals, the Jesus people movement, the latter rain movement. You have all these movements throughout history. I'm done talking about other people's movements and I'm ready to start talking about our movement, but it's gonna take having a pure motive and it's gonna take having the right posture. And I think maybe just maybe God wants to start a move of that in Salem through your church. And you might be here and you might be thinking like, no, it's not gonna be us. Because it can't be me. Well, let me. Let me finish this story. This whole situation with the jailer happens. He goes to kill himself. Because the punishment of letting prisoners go free would have been that jailer would have been executed. But Paul said at the top of his voice, don't harm yourself. We are all here. I wonder if the world is listening for some young people to say, hey, stop harming yourself. The answer is here. Hey, stop, stop, stop doing that or thinking that way or acting that way or or, or giving into those temptations because there are people here that have the answer that you're looking for. Hey, stop doing that. We're here. And look at what happens because others were listening. The jailer called for a light, rushed in, fell trembling at the feet of Paul and Silas. He led them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They give him the answer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they preach the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. In that very hour, the night of the jailer took them, washed their wounds. He and all his family were baptized at once. Their family was filled with joy because they now believed in God. Young people, maybe the fix to you being unable to encounter God, being unable to encounter your purpose, being unable to fully understand what God is doing in your life isn't up to you just having a moment in his presence, which I believe is so powerful. But for some of you, you're used to his presence. You've become accustomed to his presence to the point where it doesn't even have the same meaning anymore. But what if your motive changed, as Nadera said earlier in worship? What if what if your purpose was bigger than just being personal? What if your purpose was about the people in your school? What if the purpose was about the friendships, or maybe even that uh, that girl that was gossiping about you? Maybe what if your purpose wasn't about what you could get out of this personally, but what if your purpose was about what you could give? What if we stopped making this world all about us and started making this world all about what Jesus has done for us? Maybe you're here and this is, I wrote this intentionally. You might have the right motive and the right posture and think this message isn't for you. I would i would challenge you enough to say your posture does need to change because you can't make it about you. Fix your posture so people around you encounter Jesus. Um, I'm just gonna ask you some questions. If you can do this, just um, close your eyes, bow your heads. Just really quick, just privacy for the room. I'm gonna ask you some questions. And I want you to be honest with your response. You don't need to raise your hand, but just internally think about these things. Question number one, how deeply are you willing to let Jesus go tonight? Verse 26 says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake which shook the prison to its foundations. I wonder how many of us are willing to let Jesus shake us to the point of emotion, but not shake shake us to the point of change. At once, all the doors opened and all the chains fell off all the prisoners. That's able to happen, but we have to let him in. We have to let that work go all the way down. Don't settle for a surface level encounter when he's willing to go to the foundation. A surface level encounter might fix a day. The other one fixes your life. Question number two. Uh, check your motive. Is your motive right? Just be honest with yourself. You find yourself here tonight, and you're here, and you're like, man, I came, like Pastor Aaron said, I came because, man, I heard there's going to be tacos, and I heard that we could have fun. I'm going to challenge, even, even those of you that don't know Jesus, and you're in the room tonight, check your motive. Do you just want to go through life eating tacos and having fun? I mean... <laughs> That's a horrible question, because of course you do. But I'm I'm asking it more in the context of, do you think that's all life has to offer you? Because if it is, man, that's a pretty sad life in comparison to the life you could live. What's your motive? Check your posture. What's your posture tonight? Is your posture right? Is your posture right? I, um... I just have one last thing I want to say before we, we, we kind of transition into the rest of tonight. It's, God's here. Like, I can feel his presence. God is evidently in this room. And I said this to our youth ministry last Friday. It's up to you to encounter him. See, Jesus hasn't, Jesus hasn't changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. For whatever reason, there are things in our lives that hold us back and To stay caught up with us as a youth ministry and our church, go to PC youth Salem on Instagram or check us out at peopleschurch.com.